I think many of us realize that there's more life behind us than in front of us. And uh, we can't go back and undo it. Can't go back and fix what's broken from the past. But you can finish well. Some of you are just starting. Your whole life is ahead of you. I would pray that you would run well and finish well. Uh, It's going to come quicker than we think. Our coming to the Lord by cloud or clod. Cloud, he comes for the church in the rapture. Clod, we go to him in death. But one of these ways, one of these days, we're going to meet the Lord. And we want to be able to say that we did our best and we finished well. Today and next Sunday, I'm going to speak to you about getting involved in the greatest work the church has, and that is the gospel work. I'm going to step out of Exodus for a few moments and go to the book of Mark, chapter 13. Begin reading with me in Mark's gospel, the 13th chapter, in what is called the Olivet Discourse. The Olivet Discourse is recorded in the Synoptics. Here in Mark, it's recorded in chapter 13. In Matthew, it's recorded in chapter 24 and 25. In Luke, it's recorded in chapter 21. All three of these passages give us insight and information to the Lord's great teaching on the coming or his coming, the end of days, as you will. And as you look at it, You find, you you could, by the way, you could go to 2 Timothy 3 and some other places and add to it. But you find what we commonly refer to as the signs of the time. The signs of the time. I want you to begin reading down in verse number 5. Mark's gospel, the 13th chapter. Jesus answering. Now the question was asked in verse 4. Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign when all these things shall be fulfilled? So the Lord begins to answer that in chapter five, uh, chapter 13, verse 5. And he says, And Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed lest any man deceive you. Now, I'm not going to preach through the, the book of Mark chapter 13 this morning, but I, I want you to understand something. Gospel deception is prevalent in the day and age we live. This, this falling away, this deceivers, this, this false doctrine, you, you, are, you are inundated with false claims and false information. You must know the word of God. Even the very elect could be deceived if they do not carefully discern and decipher what's being said. So much of the Western gospel, so much of Western theology is absolute garbage theology. I saw a man yesterday and he he was talking about universal salvation. Oh, everybody's gonna be saved. No, dear friend, only those who put their faith and trust will be saved. Put their faith and trust in Christ will be saved. For many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ and deceive many. Right now there are men who claim to be the Messiah, the Son of God. And you say, oh, this is foolish. Uh, this, this should be easily rejected. And yet hundreds upon thousands of people willingly follow them. We shall hear of wars, rumors of wars. Be not troubled, 
for such things must needs be. But the end shall not be yet, for nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There shall be earthquakes in divers places, and there shall be famines and troubles. These are the beginning of sorrows. Take heed to yourselves, for they shall deliver up to you the councils. And in the synagogue you shall be beaten, and you shall be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them. Yesterday I was at the March for Life, and after we spoke, I was leaving to go get in the car to come home, and a man came up to me and said, I really appreciate what you said today. He said, we, we must take a stand. I said, wonderful. He said, I'm a Catholic, and I go to such and such place. I said, okay. He said, uh, he said I hate I hate what this new pope is doing. I said, well, I, di I didn't get into all of it, but I said, boy, I tell you, he's doing some things different. He said, I think he's ushering in the one world government, and the one world religion. I said, you've got more sense than most Catholics. All of these things, if you, if you will stop and just read what's happening around you, you're finding Mark chapter 13. You're finding Matthew uh, chapters 24 and 25. You're finding Luke chapter 21. You're finding 2 Timothy 3 and 1 and 2 Peter and, and all of these, uh, these warnings and these, these red flags and these sirens, they're going off and they're saying, lift up your head. Redemption draweth nigh. And then verse number 10. And the gospel must first be published among all nations. There's so many signs and there's so many clues to the coming of the Lord, but one of the clearest signs is Mark chapter 13, verse number 10. And the gospel must first be published among all nations. Well, pastor, whew, there's so many people that haven't heard. We've got a long time. 2033. Nine years. Say, preacher, what are you saying? David Nelms is a dear friend of mine. He runs the Timothy Initiative. And David said to me that according to his statistics with the Timothy Initiative and the Joshua Project, there are 17,000 people groups in the world. Now, these are not nations. These are people groups, tribes, cultures, ethnicities. He said there are 7,400 unreached people groups, UPGSs. He said there are only... 150 unengaged people groups. Out of those 7,500 unreached, they have had the gospel given. Now, they haven't seen conversion yet, but there's only 150 unreached people groups so that there would be followers in every tribe, in every nation, 150 7,400 total, 150 yet touched. 3.4 billion people living in the unreached people groups. Say, so, well, man, 3.4 billion people, they are projecting that the gospel will be given to every unreached people group no later 
than 2033. So how can we go from 6,000 years of human history where we've barely gotten the gospel around the world to now to get it to uh, 3.4 billion people in less than nine years? It's very simple. What the devil uses for evil, God uses for good. What's the big thing that everybody's up in arms about that's going to kick off the end of days? They're going to reach the point of sentience and they're going to become their own thinking, doing, and take over Skynet. Artificial intelligence has changed Bible translation to the point now where what would take decades of scholars takes moments. The World Wide Web, uh, the things that you and I say, oh, all of this is is evil and bad. Uh, The the ability to get the gospel to these underage people groups, you can go to the backside of nowhere and still find telephones, devices. You'll see a Bedouin tent with a dish. It is now physically and uh, electronically capable, technologically available. This is not some Star Trek, Star Wars, somewhere in the future. It is now here that we can get the gospel around the globe in ways that we never thought possible. The printed page, whether it's electronically printed or here's one thing that we're working on for Haiti, so many people can't read. Now you can buy Solar-powered Bibles that hear the Word of God powered by the sun. They can go anywhere, any tribe, any tongue, any culture, any land. The Joshua Project says we will have the gospel around the globe. No unreached people groups to where they haven't at least heard the gospel within nine years of your life. You want to get the Lord back? Get the gospel out. You want to hasten the return of the Lord? Get the gospel out. You want to be part of those that are getting the gospel to billions upon billions upon billions of people? Get the gospel out. Do your part. Get engaged. Get involved. Get serious the fact that there is a lost and forever hell. And that men and women without Christ, they do not go to heaven. They must be born again. And you, you, you say, preacher, how do I get to Africa? You don't start in Africa. You don't start in the Middle East. You start in your family. You start in your neighborhood. You start in your school. You start in your workplace. You start in your gas station. You start at your restaurant. You start at your place where you spend time with people and every person you meet has an ever-living, never-dying soul and you have been put there to make a difference. Our church must transition. Our church must realize we are not trying to entertain the sheep. We are trying to win the lost. We must transition from come and see to go and tell. 
We must make the main thing the main thing, and that is the proclamation of the gospel of Christ. For without it, man has no hope of heaven, and without it, the church has no hope of well done, good and faithful servants. The business of the gospel. The gospel is 1 Corinthians 15. Somebody said to me one time, is your church a full gospel church? I said, oh yes, absolutely. We're a full gospel church. Now, they thought something different than I told them because their idea of a full gospel and my idea of a full gospel. See, I've got a Bible gospel, not an emotional gospel. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you which also ye have received and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. I like that word saved. I know I'm on my way to heaven. Nothing can take it from me. Nobody can hinder me from going. Why? Because I didn't buy it. I didn't earn it. I didn't get it. It was given to me by the grace of God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And what God has done, no man can undo. I'm saved, saved, saved. Keep in memory what I preached unto you unless you believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scripture and he was seen of Cephas and of the twelve and above five hundred brethren at once of whom the greater part remain under this present but some are fallen asleep. Here's the gospel Christ died on the cross. Christ was buried in a borrowed tomb. Christ rose again on the third day. Christ was witnessed by men and women who saw him. And now our job, as was their job, is to be witnesses to what Christ did. He defeated death. He defeated hell. He defeated the grave. He gives hope beyond this life. It is your job. It is my job. If you're saved, if you haven't believed in vain, to tell others what Christ has done. Say, what about all this other stuff? It matters. It's important. I understand there's a necessity to contend for the faith, to fight for the cardinal doctrine of the truth. But brother and sister, mark this down. You get wrong on the gospel, you'll get wrong on everything else. Some of you this morning, you don't have a faith. You have a religion. You have a membership. You have an experience but you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, his finished work on Calvary, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his gift to you, which was his son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross in your stead and your place, bearing your shame, bearing your guilt, bearing your condemnation, that you might have his righteousness. The gospel. We have but one truth. We preach we teach, we know God will deliver, we know God will transform, we know God will heal, we know God will restore, but all of that is secondary. What must come first is a personal relationship with Christ through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and alone the gospel then transforms. We're trying to fix that which is broken. You cannot fix that which is broken until they're born again. You don't fix the exterior and leave the interior in shambles. It starts in the heart and works its way to the exterior. Mark chapter 13 says the gospel 
must first be published. Well, what is the gospel? It's the death, burial, and resurrection. What is the word published? It is the Greek word that means to herald or to proclaim, to preach. Webster says it is to make generally known, to make public, to announce, to disseminate to the public, to produce or release for distribution, to issue the work of an author. We have the greatest author and the greatest work, and it is our job to disseminate that work to a world around them that doesn't understand what it means to know Christ as Savior, to know that you're saved, to be born again. It is the church's job to publish what Christ has done. How shall they hear without a preacher? So I'm not a preacher. You're in a witness. And your job is to preach the gospel. I want to give you three things this morning. And, and, and I want you to understand this must be, this has to be a radical shift in our thinking. We have to get more concerned with those that have not heard than those that have heard. Why should a man hear over and over and over when there are so many that have never heard once? It's a global command. The world, all nations, every tongue, every tribe, every creed, every color, every culture. Matthew chapter 28 is our commission. Jesus came and spake to them saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach America, Europe, know all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. Teach them, that's witness to them. When they make a profession of faith, we explain it to them. We show what it means. We instruct them. We baptize them. We ground them. We disciple them. Why? So that they can in turn go teach someone else. The old preacher said, you want the power as you go? No go, no low. Lo, I am with you always. You don't get the power until you go. We're waiting for the power. You go, the power follows. But you shall receive power. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall be witness unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Jerusalem, Pinellas Park, Seminole, Largo, Kenneth City, St. Petersburg, Clearwater, Old Town, all around, Gulfport, St. Pete Beach, wherever you live, that's your Jerusalem. Judea, that's, Pin that's Pinellas County, Pasco County, Hillsborough County, Manatee County. That's around the state of Florida. Samaria, that's Haiti. It's the Caribbean. That's Mexico. That's Canada. That's all those close by that every one of you could go and make a short-term mission trip in a Samaritan area because within two hours you could be in a world that you have no idea exists to the uttermost parts of the earth. The uttermost. The 1040 window. 
you would be shocked. Oh, there's nothing going on there. That church is thriving. That church is exploding. People are coming to faith all over the 1040 window. Asia is exploding. Asia is seeing missionaries being sent all over the world. The Koreas, North Korea, the church is exploding. You see, we don't see buildings. and We don't see TV. Uh, that's not the church. The church is men and women that come to faith in Christ and do the work of telling others about Christ. You don't need buildings. You don't need fancy this or much of that. You need the gospel. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, not boasting of things without our measure. <clears throat> that is the other men's labors, but having hope. When your faith is increased, we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly to preach the gospel to the regions beyond. Every color, every culture, every creed, the regions beyond. Most of you in this room, and I desperately love you, most of you in this room, with some exceptions, live in a very small world. Your husband, your wife, your kids, your family, your little zip code. And all around you are people who are lost, but you'll never leave your region. You'll never get out of your comfort zone. You'll pass them by by the thousands. You'll miss opportunities like you wouldn't believe because you never realize that a global command starts locally. If the people that you see regularly don't know you're a Christian, I'm talking about the lady that cuts your hair. I'm talking about the lady that serves you on a regular basis at your restaurant. I'm talking about your neighbors. I'm talking about the people that you see. If they don't know you're a Christian, shame on you. Shame, I speak that to your shame. I would rather them say, man, I got five of them than to say I've never seen one of them when you hand up a track. 15 years ago, I came to your city to be the pastor of this great church. And I, I have very thin hair. It's not falling out, it's just very thin. Because it's very thin and I keep it very short, it's very difficult to cut because if you make a mistake, you can't just cut some more off to level it out. There's not a lot there. A lot of late, you think it'd be an easy haircut. I thought it would be an easy cut, but everybody that cuts my hair says, I hate cutting your hair. I hate it. Hate it. So I'm, I'm nervous. When you go to a new town, you got to get a good barber or a good stylist, whatever you get. So I asked the lady that had been cutting my hair for the past 12 years, I said, Amanda, how do I find a good lady or a good guy to cut my hair? She said, go to an expensive place that, that has character people and then look around. I said, well, how do, I don't know nothing about the hair world. I'm straight. She said, go to an Aveda salon. 
they'll, they'll be professionally trained in the Veda Salon. Went to an Aveda Salon. The guy said, I got a little girl here that just came out of the Aveda Salon. I think she'd be wonderful. Her name was Vanessa. She sat down. She said, Let's, what do you want? And I said, this is it. Man, I, there's not a lot to do here. She cut it the first time. I said, I'll be back. I go every three and a half weeks. Every three and a half weeks, I get a haircut. What do you do, Brent? Oh, I'm a preacher. It's interesting. She kind of tensed up. By the way, my salon, and I go to a salon. I got six kids. Leave me alone. My salon, extremely different place. Extremely different. This extremely different place. Two guys that owned it became two friends of mine. Culturally, we were as far as east is from the west. Everybody in there knew after a few months, that's the preacher. Over, over the course of a few months, I began to talk to her and she told me she had a little girl. She was embarrassed to tell me she wasn't married to his daddy. I didn't even let that phase, man, it doesn't bother me a bit. See, I don't care how we get to where we are, let's get from where we are to where we're going. Over the last 15 years, Vanessa has cut my hair. Probably 12 years ago, I led Vanessa to Christ. She got baptized. She's now a youth leader at another church. Her and her husband have gotten married. They've been together all these years. Every day we go in, every time I go in, we talk about the Lord, about the goodness of God. She owns her own shop now. She hires other people. She tries to be a witness. How many times has he cut your hair? How many times has she cut your hair that you never even bragged on the Lord? I'm not talking about giving a track. I'm not talking about a witness. I'm talking about just talking about how good God is. You say, well, well, man, I'm in the middle of a salon that is anti. They don't embrace what we believe. That's where you're supposed to be a witness. If you're all witnesses in here, who cares? We're all saved or we claim to be. What matters is in a salon where you would be the minority, not the minority, majority. We went out to eat the other night after our basketball game. Friday night, we did really well. We won all our games. Thursday night, we got shellacked. We lost all our games. Nobody likes to be in a good mood after your team loses. Went to Wendy's, Taco Bell, come other places. What's your name? John. Hey, my name's John. With, with as many names as I have, you can catch a lot of people. I'm John. Oh, nice to meet you, John. What are y'all doing? Oh, our school just lost up here at Elfers. We're on our way home. Oh, okay. What do you, you, I, what do, you do? I'm the, co- I'm the pastor. Oh, you know, I used to go to church. I didn't say a word. I used to go to church. When I was in Ohio, I was part of a good youth, church, youth group. I was involved. Since I moved here, you know, I'm like, I said, well, we're a little far. And I reached in my pocket. And I didn't have anything. Because I put all my stuff in the bag to coach. I didn't want to carry it in my pocket. So I went and sat down to eat. A few minutes later, this lady... She was just standing there next to me when I was talking to John. I came back out, 
And all of a sudden, my, my whole, everybody in the restaurant that was on our team was eating um, those little mini, what are those little mini things called? Frosties. I always trust a heavy guy to get their Frosties. Praise God. They were eating Frosties. I said, where did y'all get them Frosties? She said, that lady gave us Frosties. Went out to the van, got my bag, came back in. I said, how many of you are on the clock tonight? Because they were about to close and we brought in all these kid teenagers. She said, there's five of us on the clock. I said, here's $10. I put up $50. I put up $10. And I wrapped them in a little track. And I said, no, this is for everybody. When I walked out of that restaurant that night, five people were looking at a gospel track. Now you said, preacher, what's going to happen? I don't know. I don't live in Newport Ritchie, but I know this. As I passed through that part of Samaria, that part of Judea, I had an opportunity that I didn't ask for that the Lord presented in front of me, and I was able to give them the gospel. Now I'm going to tell you, if it's going to be a global command, it's got to start locally. If we're going to see the Lord hasten his return and get the gospel around the world, stop worrying about what the missionary is doing in Africa and start worrying about what your family's doing in Pinellas Park. Number one, it's a global command. But I want you to notice this, it's going to take a great company. Psalm 68, verse 11, the Lord gave the word and great was the company of those that published it. Uh, Matthew 9, the harvest is Truly plenteous, but the labors are. Well, preacher, nobody's getting saved anymore. I'm convinced we're wrong about that. I'm convinced the reason people are not getting saved is because people are not giving the gospel. The harvest has been plenteous for 2,000 years. It's white, it's ripening past ripe. And yet, we're not picking the fruit available because we're sending so few laborers into the harvest field. We have the greatest news in the history of the world that you can go to heaven. The guilt and shame of your sin can be washed away by the blood of Christ. It is the best news. It is the good news. And the world hungers to hear it. And yet so few tell it. I was called to teach personal evangelism at the Bible college I graduated from. I walked in on the first morning that I was going to teach personal evangelism. Here's all these young preachers going to go out and preach the gospel. And I said, here's your first quiz. Reach in your pocket and pull out a, a track. I don't care what church it's from. I said, reach in your pocket and pull out a track. Write your name on it. It's a zero or a hundred. You pass or fail. And it was amazing to me how many preachers that were there to be trained for the gospel did not have a gospel track. I had some, some guys borrowing tracks from a girl. She lived in Arizona. He lived in Michigan. Give me an Arizona track. I'm like, sir, I don't think you got this from your home church. So let's do this. Let's start over here, front to left, front to back, left to right. Who's ready? There'd be some. I see some of you, you're starting to think, oh, Lord, he's serious. Tonight, I'm serious. This morning, I'm preparing you. Tonight, 
It's money where mouth is. It's rubber where road is. And by the way, I know that by making that statement, I'll thin the herd tremendously. I'm at the point that I'm not so much impressed with those who come and see as those who go and tell. Tonight is commitment. Tonight is just, is it in there or not? It's got to be more than me. It's got to be more than Colin. It's got to be more than Joe. Joe Hajeki has seen 70 people trust Christ in the last six months. You say, what's he doing? He's going and telling. I don't know how math works, but I know if one has 70, two could have 140. And I know that three, now I don't know math well, but if one has 70 and two has 140, three times seven is 21, add a zero, that's 210. And I know four would be 280. Aren't you impressed? Five, wouldn't that be around 350? Preacher, what would happen if 300 people got saved? It would begin to impact the community. It it would begin to impact elections. It began to impact schools. It began to impact churches. What if 600 got saved? What if 700 got saved? What if 800? Well, well, if one does 70, what if three or 400 got busy telling others about Christ? So, well, Joe's just got an unusual gift. Joe's an ordinary man who understood that there is a command that all of us are to be witnesses. He's retired. He has free time. I've said this for years in our church, and I still don't understand it, and it still drives me batty. I do not understand how you can be retired, have time, have money, have opportunity, and do less for Christ than you did when you were busy working a full-time job. You know why I think that soul winning is so hard for most of us? There's not been a giant change in your own life. There's not been a giant change in your own life. And if there has, you've gotten over it. In Luke 8, there is a man who was mentally unhinged. He lived in the tombs. He self-harmed. He cut himself. He's naked. He didn't even wear any clothes. They would try to control him, and he would would break free, and then they finally just let him alone. He lived like a, a lunatic in the tombs. Jesus passed by, and The man was wonderfully saved. You know the story. The legion of demons that had been possessing his body were cast into the hogs and the hogs ran off the cliff into the sea. The next thing we see is the man... I love what, what happens is, here's a naked man, he's, he's, he's lunatic, he's out of his mind, and now the next scene, the Bible says he's clothed. He's seated, he's learning at the feet of Jesus. And then Jesus has to leave, and the man says this, he says, Lord, I want to go with you. 
I, I want to, to follow you. And Jesus says in Luke 8, 39, return to thine own house and show how great things God hath done unto thee. And he went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. He wanted to follow. Or let me say it like this. He wanted to go and see. And Jesus said, no, you go and tell. Go and tell. This was a miraculous change. This was a miraculous change. Here's a man that had nothing. And now God has sent him. And the region is called Decapolis. It's ten cities around that he became an evangelist to. Because they all knew his story. They all knew what God had done. And now God said, don't follow me as much as go and tell them. So many of us want to come and sit and sit and hear and hear and, and, and be, be entertained. And yet the Lord is saying, no, because of what I've done in your life, go and tell others what's possible. Have you got over it? When's the last time you told your testimony to someone? When's the last time you told somebody, oh, I, I was out of church, I was lost, or whatever your story, I don't know what your story is. Everybody has a story, every story matters. Oh man, I was empty. I came to the end of myself. I was suicidal, I was drunk, I was successful, I had all the money in the world, had no peace, had no joy. I was a drug addict. I was a, a prostitute. I was a, I was a lesbian. I'm a homosexual. I'm a bisexual, pansexual, transsexual. But God radically transformed my life. Well, last time you, I told your story this morning again, Colin. It's my fun. It's my joy to make fun of Colin. What God has done in just a radically short amount of time. Gypsy Smith said, We've got over the wonder of it all. You may be uh, Chloe Alfiero who has a, a testimony because she'd been raised in faith, but watch this her mom and dad weren't. She experienced the privilege of being raised in a Christian home as many of us did. Listen, the testimony begins with mom and dad getting saved, mom and dad doing right, grandma and grandpa getting saved. That testimony is a shared testimony because if they never got saved, I never would have got saved. When's the last time you told somebody your story? Frank told his last week. It's a mindset change. He wanted to stay, but Jesus said go. He wanted to come, and Jesus sent him away. I've been asking the Lord so much the last... Months, 
it's certainly safe to say, but I, I'm going to say years. And in fact, I would probably be safe in saying six, seven years. Lord, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? Two steps forward, one step back, can't get too far like that. Lord, what are you doing? It, it hit me this morning like a ton of bricks that last year from ministry involvement week, it was so different because Tim was here and because so many that are now with the Lord were here. I'm like, well, what are you doing? And I think this last few days, I think the Lord has been really just impressing in an incredible way that our mindset has to change. And here's what I mean. I don't think we're off like going in the wrong direction. I think that we've been trying to reach people the wrong way, right motive, wrong way. Now, I think we ought to be excellent in everything we do. I think we ought to look right. And have, but we focus so much on the experience internally, getting our music and, oh, who's going to replace Tim and who's going to do this? And we have to do that. And we're so worried that when people come, they won't have a good experience. And the Lord's like, I didn't call you to come in. I sent you to go out. And while we must maintain certain things, the beauty of the building and the lobby and the coffee shop and all the internal things, we must have a mindset change. It's not about what we do in here as much as what we do out there. In here matters. It matters terribly because it's worship. And we worship our God and we hear from our God and we give to our God. I understand that. But it is in here that we should go out there. The gospel. In nine years, I believe it's much less than that. But in nine years, statistically, the gospel will be in every unreached people group. Now if that is the case, then you say, well, we've got nine years. I believe we have less time than that because I believe at the rate that this technology is advancing, that may cut that tremendously. Say, so, preacher, how can we make a global difference? I was preaching up in, I wasn't preaching, I was presenting iOS up in Trenton, Georgia over the holidays. And uh, Trenton, Georgia, if you know where that is, that's a little dot on the road between Alabama, Tennessee, and Georgia. It's right in the northeast part of Georgia, but it's right by Alabama, and you can see Lookout Mountain from Trenton. Small church, country church. My brother-in-law is a pastor. They've got 20 people that showed up a few months ago migrated from a town, a country I could not even begin 
to show you on the map where it is. It's one of those new countries that after all the wars, they just carve a new country out and say, okay, you're Kyrgyzstan. I don't know where Kyrgyzstan is. I know they speak Russian. They don't even speak English. They're learning English, but they're saved and they found their home in Trenton, Georgia. Here's my brother-in-law that has now a global influence. Ukraine, Kyrgyzstan, Russia, because of the Lord bringing them to us. Your school that you support, we have Ukrainians. Mom and dad speak very little English. Clint's neighbor, I think there's, how many, three or four in that family now? Ukrainian? What, what, what nationality? The kids in the school. What, what's the nationality? Ukrainian. Ukraine. We got Ukrainian kids in our school. St. Pete is a global city. Joe led a guy to Christ. Led two people to Christ. They came back about 15 minutes and said, we want to video what you just said to us so we can send it to our family. If you're more concerned with what you're getting in here than what we're giving out there, we must change our mind. In here matters. Don't miss that. But what matters for eternity is what you and I do when we walk out these doors. You've got to get involved. It can't be just a handful trying to get the whole harvest in. The harvest is overwhelming. The labors are few. It's a global command. It's going to take a great company, but it's going to take a giant change. It's going to take a giant change. You're going to have to personally ask the Lord to grow you, teach you, and use you. It's not enough you come and sit. We must be sent. We must be sent. When they come into your automobile dealership, when they come into your cubicle, when they stop by your house, when you go into their business, they ought to know as the opportunity arises, they ought to know that you're a changed person through Christ and that he will change them. So what if they do not respond? That has nothing to do with you. You're a testimony. You're a witness. Your job is simply convey the message. Publish the message. It must be a change. If our church is going to be blessed, it is going to become a gospel central church. Father, the morning is ours to decide. If we had a business meeting of the future of our church, it will be a meeting such as today where our people decide we will be gospel centric. It will become the heartbeat, the dynamic, the end all be all of our church to proclaim the death, the burial, and resurrection of Christ 
around us, around the area, around the country, and around the world. Motivate, convict, challenge, change. So much of Christianity is now please me, serve me, entertain me. And yet biblical Christianity is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Please, please let this ministry involvement week be a week where people say, I will pick up a part. I will do something. All can do something. Some can do more, but all can do something. May every person here today be under the convicting work of the Holy Spirit that a Christian that is not going, a Christian that is not ministering, a Christian that is not serving is not really even a Christian because they are not obeying the greatest commands that Christ gave, which is to love Him and love others, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. There's one here this morning that doesn't know you as Savior, how silly and sad it would be to die and go to hell when the gospel is offered that Christ loves them, died for them, was buried for them, but most importantly, rose for them and will give eternal life to all who will believe. Now you've got to do something because we cannot continue as business as usual. We pray it now, we ask it in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet I want to ask Ira to sing if God is speaking.